Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The winner of the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes is 49ers. It is a momentous day for minor league baseball players everywhere. And Northwestern showed everyone that predictions can be like armpits. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After a spring and summer of speculation, Jimmy Garoppolo is staying in San Francisco to be the backup, we think, to Trey Lance. He will apparently become the highest paid backup in the league. We'll have a no trade clause and we'll go into the season as QB2. From Locked On 49ers, Eric Crocker is with me now. And, and Crock, there are a lot of questions, not just in Niner Nation, but from fans around the league about how this came to pass. Let's start with the Jimmy Garoppolo side. Why was this Jimmy G's ultimate decision? Why was this the best move for him? I think because if they let him go, what's out there? There are no starting jobs currently available. How long would it take him to get signed to be on the team? Would that be the right situation for him or would he have to jump into a situation out of being desperate? So I think for him, it made sense to say, you know what, I'll go here, I'll take the pay cut, or I'll stay with the 49ers, take the pay cut, $6.5 million guaranteed, and have some incentives just in case anything happens with the 49ers. Knows the team, knows the roster, know that if he does hypothetically get in, play, and play you know, to the level that he believes he can play at, it'll help him in the long run. From the 49ers side, I think fans are sort of going like, doesn't this muddy the water with Trey Lance? Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch have said all of the right things all summer that this is Trey Lance's team. But Kyle Shanahan in the spring also said, well, why would we just cut him? He's a good quarterback. And, and so this is ultimately where we landed. How concerned are you from a 49ers perspective that this becomes – uh, a burden on this team that there is this push-pull. A lot of people in that locker room, a lot of players really like Jimmy Garoppolo. They've been in the trenches with him before. They've been in these wars. I think the biggest thing or toughest thing, I guess, if you are Trey Lance or if you're someone that just wants everything to be all about Trey Lance, you know that this team, they, they love Jimmy Garoppolo. And like you said, they've been in the trenches with him. Uh, they've gone to battle with him. They've seen him play injured and play through all these different things, and they've had a lot of success with him. In the two seasons where he was healthy, they won a lot of football games. As it pertains to Trey Lance, you know, I think the bigger issue there is just that, hey, you know, there is a lot of unknown, and you don't know how he's going to play. But one thing has really maintained throughout this entire process and stayed true. Kyle Shanahan has said over and over, all the way he's going back to the owners' meetings in February or March, whenever that was, this is... Trey Lance's team, he's our guy, and we just, we're just we just not going to tr- cut G- Jimmy Garoppolo just to cut him because we have other quarterbacks on this roster. So Kyle also went on, I believe it was Tim Kawakami's podcast from The Athletic, and he said, listen, you know, this is Trey's team, and we hope that the fans are patient with him. We understand that there's going to be ups and downs. He understands what goes, what goes into the development of Trey Lance and that, hey, this is a guy playing for the first time, but he also believed that this is a good enough team around him and went as far as to say, you know, there were times with Jimmy Garoppolo where it wasn't great. 2019, San Francisco 49ers went to a Super Bowl. Well, 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for the first half of the season. I mean, it didn't look it didn't look good, and the defense kind of carried him, and the run game carried him. And he said that for Trey Lance, as he's going through this time of learning, they'll do the same thing. So I think Kyle Shanahan is much more patient with where Trey Lance is in his development and understands, knows kind of what to expect and what goes into how to get him better, as opposed to the people on the outside who want everything right now. But that's easy to say in August, right, Croc? I mean, it, it's going to be right. different if they're two and four and the offense doesn't look right and they have a guy that's taken them to the playoffs one game in the postseason, just went in and beat Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Let's not talk about it any further. Like, it, whoa, what whoa. happens? So, again, and, and I am pro, I'm, I really like Jimmy Garoppolo. But did you just say Jimmy beat Green Bay? Is, is that what you said? I you said know the 49ers beat the Packers at Lambeau Field, not Jimmy G. Jimmy but he was the quarterback was for that game. The quarterback of that team. Why, why did Green Bay lose that game? And, and I think that's why you go with Trey Lance, because you need a little more, right? You're talking about a playoff game, albeit the weather wasn't great at all. You know, the 49ers have won three playoff games out of their four, right? They've won four playoff games with Jimmy Garoppolo. Three of them, he didn't even throw a touchdown pass. So I'm not saying that they don't need him at all. Clearly, he does something to benefit the team. I think his leadership, I think he makes some throws in the right moments as he did in that playoff game. But for the most part, he's kind of along for the ride. And he's a great leader in the process of it. So, you know, as far as kind of Trey Lance goes, you definitely don't want to start 2-4. and four. This team has much higher expectations than a 2-4 and four team. That would be something where the situation can get a little sticky. But if you're Trey Lance, just don't start 2-4. and four. And if the team is as good around him as they hope, hopefully three and three, you're still good. Four and three, you'll be good. And I think they'll continue to ride that out. Stay up to date on the 49ers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On 49ers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, minor league players everywhere scored a huge victory. We'll dive in just how big a victory it is. That's next. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Tuesday's Major League Baseball slate has a few interesting games. The Dodgers and the Mets begin a crucial three-game series that may indeed decide who has home field advantage in the playoffs. The first game sees the home Mets dogs. BetOnline has them plus 124 to win. And the Phillies find themselves favored on the road as they take on the Diamondbacks. BetOnline has the Phillies minus 130 to win. The Braves favored over the Rockies by so much I had to tell you about it. BetOnline likes Atlanta with the money line minus 350. BetOnline where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New York Knicks are reportedly finalizing a four-year rookie contract extension with R.J. Barrett. This, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. The deal could be worth a reported $120 million when it's all said and done. Barrett has been a consistent performer for the Knicks and a huge reason for optimistic feelings about the team. The extension does bring into question the Knicks' ability to obtain superstar guard Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. The Knicks have been one of the more heavily rumored teams in pursuit of Mitchell. Barrett's reported deal would seemingly deplete the Knicks' available resources to a complicated deal in regards to acquiring Donovan Mitchell. Or the flip side of it could be Donovan Mitchell saying... I want R.J. Barrett on this team. Lock him down and we can make this all work. Just something to keep in mind. You might remember the Miami Dolphins adding just about every available running back this offseason. 
They have begun to trim that list. The Dolphins released veteran running back Sony Michelle on Monday among 13 moves they made before Tuesday's deadline to cut their roster to 53. Michelle signed a one-year $2.1 million deal with the Dolphins in May after spending a season with the LA Rams. He was critical for the Rams down the stretch after taking over as the team's starter in Week 13. His 540 rushing yards from Week 13 through Week 18 third most in the NFL. The former first-round draft pick is a two-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. Where some teams are cutting down, others are trying to add. The Carolina Panthers on Monday acquired another playmaker for quarterback Baker Mayfield, trading with Jacksonville for wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. The team announced the Panthers will send undisclosed draft compensation to Jacksonville. The Panthers appear set with their top four receivers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall Jr., and Shai Smith, although injuries have been an issue for Marshall since he was selected in the second round last season. The Panthers like the difference in skill set and size that Chenault brings to the receiver room. Could be looking at positionless football in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey split out wide. DJ Moore built like a running back. Lavishka Chenault built like a running back. Put those guys anywhere. Create some problems. The Washington Commanders haven't ruled out running back Brian Robinson's return this season after the rookie was shot twice in his lower body on Sunday. Incredible story. Washington coach Ron Rivera said the team will determine whether to place Robinson on the non-football injury list after talking to doctors later Monday. Robinson would miss at least four games if the team makes that move. Rivera further said of Robinson's timeline, it's just about the healing process. And once he's well enough to get on the field, doctors have to clear him and we'll go from there. Everything is positive so far. If he can get back on the football field, forget this season, ever again in the NFL, it would be a remarkable story. Los Angeles Rams running backs Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson both returned to practice Monday after missing time because of soft tissue injuries. Rams coach Sean McVay said both running backs were full participants during practice. When McVay first mentioned the injuries to both backs, he said the team was, quote, just being smart with the pair and wanted to wait until they're able to be out on the field without restrictions before they practice again. Akers missed most of the last season after tearing his right Achilles in July 2021, and Henderson missed five games last season, four of which were because of an MCL strain. And on the diamond, the St. Louis Cardinals did whatever they wanted to the Cincinnati Reds, and Albert Pujols hit his 694th home run off the record-breaking 450th different pitcher. Hey there, Cardinal fans. It's JD from Locked On Cardinals, and I just saw one of the coolest Cardinals games in my entire life. I just saw Albert Friggin Pujols hit career home run number 694 in his illustrious career, and I uploaded that video just for you. It's on our YouTube channel. Check out that award-winning footage when you get a chance. I also saw him break Barry Bonds' record for pitchers that he's hit a home run off of with that opposite field shot off of Ross Detweiler, who, sorry, Ross, you're now a statistic, victim number 450 in the career of Albert Pujols. I saw Tyler Broneal, my man, mash not one, but two home runs tonight, which made me very proud as a super fan of his. Michaelis, sadly, the only last four and a third doesn't qualify for the win, but the boys had a big lead. No need to extend him. Chris Stratton, damn glad to meet you. Got his seventh win of the year, but the Cardinals offense, that was the story tonight. 13 runs, 14 hits, four home runs, including a dick dong. Corey Dickerson goes yard to go along with Pujols' record-setting shot and Bro Neal's two bombs. 
let's just say it was a it was a good night to be a Cardinals fan at Great American Ballpark. Full recap plus a new farm report coming your way on Tuesday on a fresh new episode of Locked on Cardinals. Here is another story you need to know. Minor league baseball players have taken the first step toward unionization. And I think if you asked the average sports fan, maybe even the average baseball fan, they wouldn't have even known that minor league baseball were not part of the players association that the guys in the show are joining me now from locked on MLB prospects, Lindsay Crosby and Lindsay, why is this an important thing for the minor leaguers? So think about the last two years and a lot of the conversation around minor league baseball has been the substandard wages. Uh, most guys in the minor leagues make 500 or 600 or $700 a week. We've had conversation about the housing situation. You see four or five guys to the same bedroom sleeping on air mattresses or in cars. We've had conversation about guys not getting paid in the off season or minor league contraction where they went down to 120 teams and just eliminated minor league baseball in 30 or 40 cities across the country. Uh, forming a union and being able to collectively bargain gets around all of those issues and allows minor league baseball players to advocate for themselves, for each other, and ultimately to get paid a living wage to play baseball. What is the path to some sort of connectivity between the major league baseball players association and the minor league players? Because the major league players have had a lot of similar gripes, not about travel necessarily, but about service time and a lot of the things that are directly related to guys spending time in the minors, getting called up or not getting called up specifically for contractual reasons. So how can they find synergy there, if at all? So what works well is the way that this is being set up is the Major League Baseball Players Association would represent both the Major League players and the Minor League players, but their contracts would be bargained separately. And so when you're when you're bargaining from the same unit, you're able to, in essence, share notes and form a strategy. So for instance, if major league players are negotiating a reduction in the amount of service time required to get a season, the minor league players can then negotiate some sort of incentive for teams to call their players up early. The idea is by being able to coordinate everything, you can better have a cohesive strategy and you can work around whatever loophole management's trying to do to deny this thing to the players. Why is it taking so long to get here? I think a few reasons. The first one is obviously Major League Baseball has this antitrust exemption. They've had it for over 100 years, and there's never really been a lot of momentum to fix it. But in the last few years, especially fueled by the 2020 contraction of the minor leaguers, you've seen Congress get involved. You've seen letters, you've seen threats of hearings, and you've seen the Supreme Court actually address the existence of the antitrust exemption and say that they don't think it should exist. And so all of the movement that you've seen positively for the players, whether it's salaries, whether it's living conditions, all of that came because Major League Baseball was trying to preemptively get out in front of the public groundswell of support for minor leaguers and against the major league organization and management. And I think the lockout kind of exacerbated a lot of this. It, it lit Major League Baseball see that, no, the average fan is more aware of these poor conditions and they're not going to be as accepting of us continuing to do this and we're going to have to fix it. And ultimately they haven't done enough. And so I think that's why the, the union has found an opportunity to step in and fix it. So where does it go from here? What's the next piece of this? Okay. So authorization cards are what went out Sunday night. And what that is, 
is the players are signing saying, yes, I want the Major League Baseball Players Association to represent me. Now, legally, if you get 30% of those cards returned, the Players Association can ask for a union election to be held. But I was talking to some people today and found out that the plan is actually Major League Baseball expects to get around 75% of those returned with a yes. And so on Labor Day is the discussion. They're going to publicly announce we have received an overwhelming majority of the cards returned in favor of a union for minor leaguers. And we are voluntarily asking minor league baseball to recognize us as a union and begin collective bargaining. Uh, So there is not a union yet, but Major League Baseball Players Association is very confident that they're going to get the, the response they're looking for, and they plan to publicly pressure MLB to make it happen. Stay up to date on the prospects of tomorrow's Major League Baseball by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Major League Baseball Prospects podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Northwestern laughs at your silly predictions. Just about everyone predicted Nebraska would roll over Northwestern in Ireland for the marquee Week 0 matchup. Carter Bird, host of Locked On Northwestern, heard all of those silly predictions and has laughed at them. I mean, everybody picked Nebraska. Some people picked Nebraska to win by a ton. Um, I mean, where I live also, new house, new setup. Um, Where I live down here in Alabama, um, the local sports radio station in Birmingham, uh, they had some guys that decided to just be really dumb and just make a bunch of assumptions and not do any research on the game on Saturday morning. And they just talked, uh, well, Nebraska beat up on Northwestern by like 40 points last year. Like how much more could Northwestern have really added? How much, how much better could they be? I mean, they were three and nine last year and it was just, it was a load of garbage, and that's what it is. That's what a lot of people's take on Northwestern was. Because if you paid attention to the program, you noticed that Pat Fitzgerald sat in front of the media on Monday last week and talked about, hey, this is the first time we have been able to get in the weight room and work out as a team in two years. It's the first time we've been able to get in meeting rooms. First time we've been able to get in the football building. That's a big deal. And it showed. This is the thing. Most predictions preseason, especially in college, we don't know. We know five or six teams are probably more talented than everyone else. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. We know the teams. Georgia. And then there's everyone else. And in a given year, it can swing wildly. And I mean wildly. You lose to a team the year before by 40. The next year you beat them. These things happen, especially in college football. And so I think it's a good reminder. Let's let's not think we know more than we really do when it comes to preseason analysis, preseason polls, preseason picks. We need to wait until we see these guys on the field. And that's when we'll know what they are. And frankly, maybe not even then. And finally, no person. That's biblical. No person knows what the future holds. That's Michigan head coach Jim 
Harbaugh. He was not talking about something biblical, though, unless you count the starting quarterback of the University of Michigan as a biblical matter. And you might find some bars in Ann Arbor where that's the case. No, Harbaugh was expounding on the decision to play both Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy practically interchangeably during the first two games of the season and possibly more. Some people have asked, how do you come to that decision? Was it based on some kind of NFL model? This is Harbaugh. No, it's really based biblically. Solomon, he was known to be a pretty wise person. I'll have to go back through the part of the Bible where Solomon's offensive game plan was written. I missed that one. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will emerge from a talented AFC in 2022? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.